my definition of success is embracing like the hustling grind for whatever it is your goal is. It's interesting because actually her son reached out to me and it's like, dude, what was that book? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I think it really is very helpful. Like when you're the one person in your business, so she's the chef, she's the CEO, you know, she's the bookkeeper, she's doing everything, you know. Right. It's not really sustainable, like for no, a very long time, no, you know. No, and I, and I'm going through some serious growing pains, and because of how entrenched I am day to day, it's yeah. hard. No, to, dude, so, dude, same here. Uh, it's hard to scale, dude. When totally. you're, and, I, and I think like. I think like scale is a relative term, right? Everyone wants to be the next Uber, right? You know, but yeah, right. You gotta, your business is your business, and totally so it's gonna scale in its own natural kind of yeah. kind of way. Are we good? We're rolling. Welcome to the Doctor Mudgill podcast. I couldn't be more excited to have Shazad Qureshi here. Who, uh, interestingly enough, we met sort of through Instagram. Yeah. Um, I was getting a protein shake at Lifetime in Syosset, right. and uh, Shazad was gracious enough to come up to me and introduce himself. Um, he'd been following me on social media and um, yeah, I was really touched, man, by the things you said. Oh, thank um, it's you. always cool when the things you do move people and I'm almost getting a little emotional because it's like <laughs> that, that's why I do this shit, you know, yeah, and, um, yeah. I really appreciated that. And then like we connected, you gave me your card. And I checked out some of your stuff on social media, and you are a fucking hustler, man. You know? I appreciate it. Thank you. I checked out your vlog, and you know, you're a tremendous real estate developer. Um, you're the founder, the owner of the Pinnacle, Pinnacle Real Estate Consulting, I believe is the name of yep. your company. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, you're doing it all. So I'm super excited to have you here, man. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, I truly meant uh, the things that I said. And what really resonated with me the most, and it's kind of what I'm going through right now, with social media is uh, you started this effort with nothing, exp no expectations in return. And you're just putting out this content on a daily, on a weekly basis. And, and that's sort of how I feel about this. It's not something that's gonna contribute to my bottom line, but in the long term, uh, it's something that perhaps could. And in the interim, it's something that allows me to kind of share and give back uh, and sort of kind of save people from some of the pitfalls uh, that I've been, you know, sort of subjected to. And, there's been quite a few. Yeah, you know, that's, that's the best. The best teacher's experience, as they say. So it's the story of any business. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, every business is different, but there's so many parallels, and you know, the, the Venn diagram of business, that middle part of it, is so huge. You know? Yeah, um, you know, just managing finances, and you know, uh, coming up with ideas, and executing, and you know, dealing with subcontractors, and you know, uh, employees, and all that stuff. Those are all shared things that that every business owner has to conquer in order to have success. Absolutely. And that leads me to the one thing I ask you to prepare. Um, so one of the themes in this podcast is <clears throat> everyone that I interview is successful in their own way. And you know, ultimately what I'm finding is that definition of success, it ultimately boils down to the same sort of elements. Right. But I always like to get someone's spin on what their own personal definition of success is. So Shazad, why don't you share with us what success means to you, man? Sure, and, and that's a great way to start. Um, so for me personally, uh, success is something that I don't think I've attained yet. Uh, success will come for me personally when I'm able to get out of the $12, 12-hour 12 a day grind and start to give back in some capacity. Um, my goal ultimately is to keep building, but as a passion, not as a necessity. Um, and generate some residual income through what I love, which is single family homes, rental income, 
Um, there's really not a whole lot of multifamily homes around here. This is where I grew up, kind of like the town of Oyster Bay uh, area. So you're going to find that the majority of the homes here are single family homes. So my idea of success, and I'm sure this definition is going to change over the years, uh, is going to be when I can sort of let off the gas pedal in, in some ways and, and start to actually physically put myself out there in a way where I can start to give back. And whether it's through encouraging other young people like myself or you know, helping the people that, you know, really, truly need our help. And it's just amazing to me. And I, this is something that I follow, you know, geopolitical kind of like stuff. And it's it's amazing how many people lack basic necessities, you know. And that's something that unfortunately up to this point, I've been just head down, pile driving through this, uh, this struggle of being an entrepreneur. But, you know, eight, nine years in, um, I've hit certain targets and done certain things that I really didn't think were possible um, but I still haven't been able to give back in that way. And so that's, to me, I'll be successful when I'm giving more than I'm taking from those around me. So that's, that's kind of, that, thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, I guess one of the things I like to do is just take it back, you know, and sure. you mentioned that you grew up in the town of, Oyster. did you grow up in Oyster Bay? So I grew up, town of Oyster Bay covers, um, a large portion of Northern Nassau County. So you've got Syosset, Plainview, Jericho, Hicksville, Bethpage, Massapequa is like the furthest south town. Uh, it kind of oh, runs down. Bay also? Yeah, it oh. runs down the 135. So believe it or not, Massapequa falls into Town okay. of Oyster Bay, um, Beth Page, a little portion of Farmingdale, and so on. So I actually grew up in Syosset. Um, you went to Syosset High School? I did. I went to Syosset High School. I moved here in kindergarten. Uh, I was born in Queens. Okay. And my parents uh, decided to do what you know most parents, first generation kids, do. Let's right. get somehow get into a good school district right and and that's what we did and we bought our we they bought their first house when i was in kindergarten um right on south oyster bay road right uh, right by that firehouse and you know kind of bounced around from there kind of worked their way up from there but that's how i kind of got into syosset schools and stayed uh you know in that sort of area throughout my life i even went to hofstra university oh, did you? yeah well i did after i messed up we'll get into that later yeah. but i ended up at hofstra after i you know, did some dilly dallying that, yeah, that yeah. kids will do sometimes when they're trying to find themselves. So we'll definitely talk about yeah, that. Yeah, well, we're well. gonna get into all that. I mean, yeah. that sounds like some good dirt we gotta get. <laughs> oh, you know, there's good, that. there's good stuff in there for but sure. It's pretty, it was pretty similar for me. We grew up. I was born in Brooklyn, and we lived there. <clears throat> there were actually eleven of us living in a three bedroom apartment in, wow. Star, in Stark City. And my brother, who's seven years older than me, was about to start high school. So my mom said, "Okay, you know, we gotta like move to a good school district." Right. So we moved to the South Shore. We moved to Rockville Center. My okay. brother, we went to Oceanside Schools. And I was actually starting first grade. So wow. that's why we moved out to the island. And my mom's actually still in that house that she bought in like 1981. Wow. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty well. So very, very similar. Do you have siblings as well? I do. Um, I have a younger brother and a younger sister. Um, my brother is studying to become a scholar uh, in Islamic studies. Oh, wow. And my sister is, uh, and this is something that my parents dreamed of, and I wasn't able to knock this out. She's going to be a doctor, right? She's going to be a doctor. That's exactly right. You hit it. I didn't even tell you that, so I hit it right on the head. Um, she's, uh, training to be a resident. She's a resident right now at University of Michigan. uh, Oh, really? For ophthalmology. Yeah. My brother's an ophthalmologist. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she's doing great. Uh, she went to Einstein Medical School, um, graduated high school, super young, graduated NYU at like 19 years old. Wow. Super smart kid, but also extremely personable. Just someone that whether you're three years old or 103 years old, you know, her bedside manner, her delivery, her demeanor is just, uh, she's incredible. That's the X factor. Yeah. 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 She's, uh, she's a real. 
let's talk about you, man. So you went to Syosset <laughs> High School. You I mentioned did. that you know there was maybe like a little fork in the road, and you took the wrong fork. Why don't you tell us a little bit about college? Sure. How you ended up at Hofstra? Because I think there's a, that's where the story is. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna take you way back. Um, so I'll take you back to uh, my 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 chubby awkward middle school elementary school days um my my dad worked really hard my dad's an accountant okay. uh, that's what he um that was his profession he has his own account uh, no uh he actually uh did the old-fashioned route went to college uh did his couple years in public accounting and then got into um worked as an internal auditor for a uh, property management company um, they did hotels and and sort of like uh, office space um, throughout the country, and he did that for about twenty five years. Um, so that was basically my entire childhood. Um, and and when you become an internal auditor, you sort of I don't want to say lose touch, but you become so into that routine mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily when you leave a place like that, you sort of like have worked yourself out of whatever the the trend is or the right. going. Um, professional you know so on and so forth always maintain a CP- cpa and so on but uh that was um that was his grind and um when i was in high school did your um, mom sorry to interrupt you did your mom does your mom work as well uh my mom was educated in pakistan as a physician um and when she came here um she you know got married and had the kids and was in the process of going back to get into that field wow. but never did she became sick when i was a kid and then my sister came so she started become you know she became a stay-at-home mom and then she found her passion in teaching um kids um uh religious studies so oh, wow. that's something that she's done voluntarily for over 20 years and hasn't taken a dime and 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 i kind of was part of that too a little bit taught a little bit learned a little bit so i have a good a great appreciation for that's where kind of like that passion comes from to give back and give some time uh to the people that need it so um you know i wonder what life would have been like how it would have been different if she had stayed that course but you know that's um that's life that that's life right so um so that was that was mom and then so dad in high school um switch careers because that company closed up shop and my father was i would say probably in his early 50s um and it was time to find something new a new career um, which is tough it's very tough so he um got his real estate license joined uh at the time it was called uh, prudential now it's called element um got his real estate license and started doing the real estate sales thing and you know we all know that it's a very tough grind you know you wake up one day you say i want to be a realtor and i I get this a lot from from other people as well so you have to build the clientele build the rapport and and it's very hard to get the volume you know you see these guys on uh on tv on instagram crushing it it's uh one in every hundred if and i think that's a generous you know ratio um so he did that for a while got into building a little bit and then the great recession came so that wiped everyone out right so all through high school um we were my dad was sort of in this like transitional phase with his career and um you know i hope my parents don't kill me for saying this but we didn't grow up well off you know we grew up in a situation where we got into the school district my dad had a good job unbelievable insurance and benefits but um you know we weren't uh i grew up around kids that you know, I get it. Had yeah. uh, you know, everything going for them. Right. Um, the new, jo- car, the new you Jordans, get the Jordans, the Air Max ninety fives. I could get them now, but back then I couldn't. Totally. You know, uh, so and 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 truly, that's where my 
that's where my drive comes from. Yeah, you man. know, I was my first job. I uh, I tried I tried to get a job before I was fourteen, which I find out was not possible mm-hmm. because you need work papers. So uh, you know, I used to knock on doors, ask you know, hey, could I work for you? Da da da. They're like, listen, kid, you're not even fourteen years old. If something happens, we're dead. You yeah. know. So my first job was at Shoprite bagging groceries at the Plainview Shopping Center, five dollars and fifteen cents. Okay, this was back in two thousand one, and. All I wanted was a cell phone at the time, the blue Nokia yeah, yeah, yeah. 8260, right? So that was that was the first the first hurdle. Um, and um, for whatever reason, I was the rebel. I was the oldest, your first generation. So everything you do is is crazy. It's shocking. Right. Come home late, it's shocking. Yeah. Get caught doing something illicit, it's shocking. You know. So um, I had a very up and down relationship, being the first generation, mm-hmm. being the oldest kid um, with my parents. And so very young, I became very independent. Um, I remember, this is a true story. I remember walking, I, I'm sure you're familiar with the area. There's a Geico building mm-hmm. uh, on Wood Bay Road. I, this is a true story. I remember walking, it was a Black Friday sale. You guys are gonna all laugh at Kmart and they had a bike for sale for $60. And I walked from the Geico building, Wood Bay Road, that's where we lived at the time, through Thompson Middle School into that neighborhood where Willits Elementary School is and got to, um, Kmart and got their last $60 Huffy and it had the, the springs in the front and the spring on the seat and they were crappy springs but it, I have a picture of, of a similar bike I found recently and I was like wow that really took me back yeah. in time and I rode that bike home and it was cold you know sometimes in November you can yeah. get that real cold and my hands I remember like I thought they were going to fall off wow. um, and that was my bike for my jobs at CVS at King Cullen I rode that bike to the gym it used to be called Sport Time on Jericho Turnpike mm-hmm. I think it's called Synergy now um and uh that sort of got me through high school um i went away to school to buffalo at the time i was gonna i definitely wasn't sharp enough to get the the medical school route so i did the next best thing for the uh for the desi parents and that's uh pharmacy Uh so i I got into the pharmacy program at buffalo uh between which is a really good pharmacy program yeah yeah and even back then it was um and you get um I get there and and they mail you your schedule because it's a it's a it's a fast track program mm-hmm. and between a little financial aid and a little bit of um, scholarships, I basically got a full ride to Buffalo. Um, and Were I was a good student. And- so so it's funny, right? I was the B plus A minus student that didn't study. Right. And like you said, right? Life happens, and right. how do you you know you go with it, right? I wonder what would have happened if I'd actually applied myself. I never took an SAT review course, never right. really applied myself. I was always working and going to school. That right. was my thing. Um, so when you're doing that, you don't have time for tutors and right. for the extracurricular sure. activities. So um, so I was a B plus A minus student that got into school. It's so funny. I was so lazy about this college application process that I didn't even send a supplementary application to the University of Buffalo. I sent the initial application with uh, my transcript and the uh, SAT score. Uh-huh. They accepted me, and I said, "Forget about it. You know, I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's to, a good yeah. pharmacy program. Yeah. It's it's close enough to home where I can drive. I can take my car uh, because at that time I didn't have a car yet, and that was my biggest passion in yeah. life. And I could tell you stories for days about the mishaps that came along with that. But I went away to school. And um, my first week there, the money that I'd made working in the summer um, at Driftwood Day Camp, uh, I got there, got into a little fender bender, had to uh, pay the kid to make the problem go away. And I was really, truly down to like 100 bucks. So I got a job at Tim Hortons, 
which is uh, the Dunkin' Donuts of Buffalo in Canada. Uh-huh. Uh, the hairnet, the visor, uh, the khakis, the shirt, the whole outfit, the name tag. It was it was funny. I mean, my friends thought it was <laughs> real, real funny. Um, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. That was my shift. Wow. So naturally, the pharmacy program, 17 credits, was uh, it's a tough, you know, yeah, tough yeah. balance. Right. So I didn't do well. Um, uh, second semester, I switched majors, got right out of pharmacy. I knew it wasn't for me. You know, the evolutionary biology, the chemistry, yeah. the math, the science. It just, it, I knew it. You know, I was trying to go the route sure. to, that you would expect. Or the parents would expect, right. and it just wasn't for me. So I switched to business, um, but just because of, uh, I guess, a lack of maturity. I went away to school 17, and mm-hmm. I used to smoke cigarettes. I was a silly kid back mm-hmm. then, and I didn't even, uh, I wasn't even old enough to buy my own cigarettes. And I was still running around, getting in trouble. I got a job second semester delivering pizza, which I found is the best job. Dude, best job I ever had was delivering pizza. And I yeah. did it for years. Um, and it's the only way to make 15 or 20 bucks an hour when yeah. you're a kid and still kind of do your own thing, right? you know, not be under someone's, uh, you know, yeah. whereas like waiting tables, I did it once or twice and it just didn't really, I didn't, didn't There's a lot of freedom when you deliver pizza. Yeah, yeah. Listen to music, you're like, yeah, you know, it's cruising yeah, around and, town. Yeah, yeah. That was before, G- I was delivering pizza before GPS, man. So I was like, Me too, know. me too. There was no yeah. iPhones, there was yeah. none of that. So you get lost and you ask people for directions, you stop yeah. and guess, I really did it all. And in Buffalo, I didn't know anything, you know, so I did that in Buffalo, came home early, uh, my roommate's mom was very upset with me for leaving early, but uh, I had nothing there. I had no attachment. I was miserable. I came home, and um, needless to say, my parents weren't pleased. So you left in the middle of the semester? I left uh, two weeks early. Okay. I left two weeks early. I sold my textbooks, and I packed up my stuff. And Were you like, I'm done with school? I was done with school. I decided at that point that I was never going back to college again, and it really came to bite me in the butt later on because... I had never withdrawn from those classes. So uh-huh. I had a 1.4 in my first semester. True. This is a true numbers. And a 0.0 in my second semester. Wow. And all of that came with me later in life, came back to haunt me. Oh, wow. So um, I came home. My parents were not pleased. Um, I was reminded daily. Um, you know, it's tough love in our culture, in, in my culture. Yeah. It's tough love. So that, so that was something that I had to kind of get, get my hands around, um, get my arms around. Um, and so I, what, what did I do? Right. I went back to delivering pizza cause that's the best way to make, you know, five, 600 bucks mm-hmm. a week, kind of maintain your independence. And while you figure yourself out and I got my real estate license and I mentioned that my dad at the time, this is 2004, uh, uh, mid 2005. Now I got my, uh, real estate license. Um, and before I could put a deal together, I was out of the business. And this is what happens with realtors, right? Mm-hmm. You get in, you're really high on this potential of making an unlimited amount of money. They sell you the dream. Um, you know, there's no limit, mm-hmm. commissions, there's no salary, there's no hours. So I got I got a license. I joined- Is uh, it costly to get a license? It's not. It's a couple hundred dollars to take the course, a okay. um, couple bucks to take the state exam. Okay. And as long as you have a sponsoring broker, which at the time I joined Element, but in Plainview, um, you're good to go. So I was delivering pizza in Plainview, and down the road there was an office. Uh, an element office in Plainview. Uh, and I'm still really good friends with the owner of that Mario's in Plainview on Old Country Road. Um, his name's Peter, and he's nice. the freaking man. Um, so, and he was a young guy like me. So, you know, while I was getting in trouble and working there, you know, you'd kind of get advice from someone like yeah. that. So it was good. So I left that job and joined another pizzeria, Woodbury Pizza, and um, kind of worked, you know, decided that, all right not going to school ever again for the rest of my life is not a viable right. course. So um, I went to Nassau, 
um, which uh, was a very inexpensive way to get back into the school system. At this point, I was fully supporting myself. Um, so you were now what, 20? I was about 20. Okay. Yeah, I was about 20. Got back to Nassau, crushed it, You know, took my 60 credits. I was an accounting major at uh-huh. the time. Um, I figured that if you're going to get a business degree, you might as well get one in accounting or finance. And right. accounting was, you know, my father had been an accountant. So I said, you know what, let me just go this route. At least I know this job security right. in, in being an accountant. So I went to Nassau, crushed it. Um, a little bit of a procrastinator back then. So I wait till a week and a half before fall semester starts. And I go into Hofstra's open admissions. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know, there's there's people there to get into school, but it's like crazy. Like, what the hell are you thinking? It's it's August fifteenth, and school starts in ten days, and you're not even you know a student yet. Right. So I walk in there and I apply for classes, and they look at my NASA transcript, like, wow, you did really well, you know. Um, uh, but what the heck happened in Buffalo? Right. right? They're like, you know, we're gonna have to go back and talk to some people and see, like. I'm like, listen. I really? They like invest. They yeah, call yeah, like yeah. Buffalo. No, no, no. But oh. like, I guess. Oh, they have the, to talk to people at Hofstra. Yeah, yeah. So this admissions legit. counselor must have had to go back and talk to management and right, see right, like, right, what right. the heck do we do with this kid? Yeah. Um, and she comes back like 20 minutes later, and I'm sitting there biting my nails and freaking out. I'm just like, what the hell am I gonna do? I'm done at Nassau, and I didn't get the two year degree at Nassau because okay. I didn't want to waste time. I'd already messed up, right? I'd already taken like four or five semesters off, right. so I didn't want to take unnecessary classes. I think out of 64 credits, 62 transferred to Hofstra. So okay. I had spent my time well there yeah uh got it so i did get in um obviously i graduated and with an accounting degree with an accounting degree um i did an internship at pwc um in the city in the city at their madison avenue office and it's every kid's dream right to get um the job to get the job in the city take the train um and you're in a big you know skyscraper yeah. Bryant park is right there you're going out for lunch park avenue this is this is you know this Living is what dream, yeah, yeah I hated it. Right. I hated it. Um, I was taking three trains. I was taking the L I double R to Penn. Then I was taking the the one, two, or three. Uh-huh. You know, right. downtown. Uh, um, uptown. Uh, uptown, yeah. a couple blocks, and then on the shuttle from right. Times Square to uh, to Grand Central. Right. right. And I'm not a city person. I'm terrible with the city directions, GPS, everything. Um, but you know, I did it. Did it for seven weeks. After two weeks, I looked at my 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 senior manager and I asked her. I said, "Is this what I'm going to be doing?" For the next several years, two computer screens, work papers, partnership. Return. What were you doing exactly? Like, what is the day to day? So I got into the real estate group there. It always been something that I was interested okay. in, and I leveraged my real estate license on my resume. You know what we all do, right? Embellish that resume yeah. to get that first uh, that first uh, internship. And so I got into the real estate tax group. It was a group of about eighty or ninety people. And what you did was uh, you prepared partnership returns and 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 S corp returns for these uh, large entities. And and I'm sure you've seen this. Most of the resorts that are owned overseas mm-hmm. and hotels, there's like dozens of shell corporations, and everyone yeah, yeah. files these empty returns with right. no income. Like the K ones, yeah, the K ones, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. So I'm doing these M ones and K ones, and I hadn't even taken a tax class yet, so I was lost wow. the whole the whole time. Sounds but really I, boring though. Too, it was yeah. terrible. Yeah. That two computer screens in front of me, and 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 I had a senior that was that was that was a Hofstra grad. But it became I was you know I I got along very well with the other interns and and they moved us in a conference room and and it became a running joke like uh, because when when this gentleman would come in the room he would berate me you know and, and he'd like huff and he'd actually huff and puff and you know and so we'd all get quiet when he'd come in the room he'd rip me apart and then he'd leave so I was miserable so I asked my senior I said hey like is this really what I'm gonna be doing she goes yeah and I'm like how long before I can transfer out of the real estate group and. 
Uh, she's like uh, probably you know two to three years something like that. So I knew right away this wasn't for me. And, gotcha. Uh, I don't want to keep you guys here all day, so I'll start to pick it up a little bit. Long story short, I decided that I wanted to go to law school. So um, what I got motivated my, that? So you've got two choices in accounting. You go public accounting, in my opinion, you go uh-huh. public accounting for a couple of years, and then you get you either work for one of your clients mm-hmm. or you know like you continue down or... public accounting, uh, and then you can become a partner one day. The partner grind is crazy. It's like 12 years. Mm-hmm. and um, There's no guarantee. You, 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 right. There's no guarantee, right. number one, that you'll become partner. Um, number two, a lot of times people bounce from firm to firm every couple of years to, to, to sort of cut that, mm-hmm. that time down. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times you get stuck in a senior manager position or director position, and that's where they see your potential. That's right. you're, you're, you're stuck. Uh, so that's one option. Second option is you go and become, uh, you get your accounting degree and you get, you know, the uh, tax law side, right? Because my concentration was tax. So I, I thought maybe let me get the law degree. Uh, let me get um, situated in that tax law field. And then this way, you know, you make good money. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe one day I can sort of open my own practice and, mm-hmm. and do my own thing. Um, and your parents would be happy with that too. And my parents would be, right. that's good. Oh, you yeah. can't become a doctor, yeah. become a lawyer. <laughs> it's, it's not the best, but it's second best. Um, and so, you know, at the time, I, and so I met my, my, my now wife at Hofstra, and I literally was walking down a hallway with a friend, saw this girl out of the corner of my eye, and said to this person, oh, hey, you know, she's kind of cute. Like, what's her deal? <laughs> and yeah. she knocked on her door and left me there. Hey, this is my friend Shazad, and walked away. And 10 years later, here we are. Wow. But uh, so, I, you know, she had an apartment uh, off campus. She's not Muslim, right? She was not Muslim. Um, and this is like... Um, Again, my parents are gonna kill me, but um, uh, the um, are they gonna listen the, to this? Uh, probably not, <laughs> unless it's brought to their attention in some way. Um, but the there's the the up and down relationship that I had with my pops um, through high school. You know, being that kid that messed True. around a little bit, smoked a little bit, yeah. drank a little bit. You know, did the yeah. things that that kids do. Um, that grow up in America. Yeah. That grow up in America, yeah. right? And have um, parents. This was. And, and I, so after I had, you know, got, got through my early 20s, I had kind of gone back and like been like, hey, listen, like, you know, I'm working really hard. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. Right. I'm doing this. Let's fix this problem, you know. Um, and then so the, the wife, the choice, the choices I made kind of have maintained that sort of up and down kind sure. of trajectory. But, hey, you know, it is what it is. I really appreciate all the challenges that, that, that life throws my way because I would not be where I am today without, without right. those challenges. But um, to, make a, to make a long story short – um, I was sitting there studying for my LSATs. I had convinced the um, the dean of the business school at Hofstra to write me a recommendation letter. So I had obviously done pretty well mm-hmm. there. Um, I had started the review course. Um, I was pretty much halfway through that, taking a couple practice for the LSAT. tests. Yeah. yeah, I knew where I was going to score. Mm-hmm. You know, um, which is not where I wanted to score. I was going to probably score in like the low one sixties. I really wanted to get into the high one sixties, mm-hmm. maybe one seventy, so mm-hmm. I can get into like a top twenty, top mm-hmm. thirty law school. Um, but I just wasn't feeling it. Um, and one day, this is a true story. One day, I closed the book, the LSAT book. I looked at my my future wife, and I said, "I'm done. I'm not doing this." You're very yeah. definitive. Right? Yeah, like, you know, it's like, I'm leaving college. Was, you know, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. amazing. I closed yeah. the book, and I said to her, "I said, you know, this just doesn't feel right." And I remember sitting in my senior level accounting class. Lehman had just gone under. The department head was my professor. So it's 2008 now. Yeah. Well, 2009, I closed the book. Okay. But in 2008, in my senior level accounting class, I was a junior in, in a Hofstra, and I jumped right into a senior level, senior level, uh, sorry, senior level, <laughs> senior accounting, level accounting class. Yeah. Um, and 
because I had focused so much on the accounting classes at Nassau, that's where I was at mm -hmm. when I got to mm -hmm. Hofstra. And Lehman went under, and my professor came in the room, and he said to us, he says, you kids don't understand yet, but your lives have forever changed. This was the beginning of what would have been yeah. the greatest meltdown in, you know, in modern times. Mm -hmm. um, so when I closed that book, we were already in the recession. You know, uh, Obama had just gotten elected yeah. and, you know, bailouts for this company and bailouts for that company. And I was very much, I've always been on top of business. I've always mm -hmm. been on top of business news since I was a kid. I was the kid that used to come home and talk stocks with my dad at 10 years old. So um, it just didn't feel right. And from a financial standpoint, probably the best decision I ever made because uh, a lot of the kids that grew up, uh, you know, a lot of the kids that, that went to law school around the time that I went would have gone to law school yeah. were doing paralegal work as lawyers right. because it was just no Four work jobs, yeah. yeah so when i closed that book uh I, I had a year left to school i graduated in 2010 i should have graduated in 08 but i took off the time mm -hmm. uh to kind of find myself and um i went back to my father and the recession had gone you know had been pretty tough on mm -hmm. him um there's nobody buying and selling. There's mm -hmm. nobody building. He right. was lucky enough to have sold. He had started building just before the recession. So you're just learning. And this business is tough because you got to learn um, the hard way pretty much every step of the way, right? Trades are going to take advantage of you. Right. Um, you're not going to be able to get through the permit process. So, so long story short, right. he got, you know, he had, a, he had taken a break for a couple of years. And I went back to my dad and I said, look, I hustled up some money. It's not the end of the world. Let's uh, let's get in on a project. So that's from like delivering pizzas and stuff. Like, how do you learn? Uh, cars, tickets, anything you can imagine. Right. So you yeah. always had like a little side hustle. Always, huh? always hustling. So you mean tickets? Like you'd like buy tickets, concert tickets, right. Jay Z tickets, Dead Mouse tickets, Rihanna tickets. I made a killing on Justin Bieber tickets. Senior year of high school. I mean, a senior year of college. Um, I sort of called Justin Bieber. I was like, this kid's gonna be like, you know, when when when. So would you I just think, buy a bunch of tickets? Yeah, I'd then... sit there at the computer lab at Hofstra with four computer screens in front of me and buy as many tickets as would I can. Would you just leverage credit card debt to do it? Like pretty how much, did, yeah. pretty much. Friends' credit cards, wife's right. credit card, girlfriend's credit card. Uh, you know, anybody that would give me a card number that I was close enough with. I always so, had so you've a, always been very sort of entrepreneurial, man. I mean, that's like, you I, know, yeah, uh, you would take a risk to, you know, that's I've risky, been, right? I've been taking a lot of risks, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely um, a, a, a good way to, you know, and I and I had pretty much paid for school that way. Um, wow. I, I didn't have any debt. I did get some financial aid. Um, I did get some scholarship at Hofstra. So you paid for your, but like what your residual tuition you paid for by like, the side hustles. The stuff? side hustles. I had like three or four side wow. hustles, and I and I paid I paid all this stuff off. Um, so I didn't have the the, the crippling debt right. that that, yeah, that of a lot of times keeps people. My wife, you know, has yeah, a I, solid, I didn't either. I was very fortunate. Yeah, yeah, my wife has a solid amount of debt. We kind of worked through that um, from Hofstra. I always say to her, I was like, hey, you got this debt, but you got me too, so it's not a bad yeah. deal, right? <laughs> um, and so I went to my father and I said, look, let's. Um, so how much cash did you have at that point? Like I had about a hundred thousand. Damn. Okay. Dude, that's and, a lot of money. Yeah, it was a good amount of money, but it wasn't enough to build a house. Um, so the average cost, um, even back then, you buy a house for three hundred, you put in three hundred you know, or two hundred, whatever, and, and you sell it for six. So you sell it for seven, whatever the case may be. Dude, let's go back a little bit though. You had a, you made a hundred grand selling tickets and shit like that? I sold everything, man. I sold tickets. I sold cars. Um, like what? You'd flip cars? Yeah, I bought a, buy a car on Craigslist, clean it up, sell it. Um, you know, you make 1500, 2000, 2500, things like that. I invested some money with a couple people, made a little money, like a, traded a little stocks. I bought some stocks after the recession, made a little money. Just, you know, you put it together and you kind of, 
you kind of figure it out. Um, huh. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was a little bit of luck, a little bit of uh, a little bit of hustle. Um, but between that's the money, pretty incredible, though. <laughs> I tried, man, and and so I put this little bit of money together, but it wasn't enough. And this is when I was able to um, leverage the good relationships I had with people and borrow a bunch of money. And and so this this first project from uh, individuals you borrowed from individuals. Um, this first project. Uh, so my father's money was tied up. The house that he lived in was paid off. The stuff that he had sold had been sold. And so he's like, all right, we could do this. I have this short sale in Hicksville that, you know, so-and-so get her hands on. Um, and back then, nobody knew what a short sale was. It was very early mm -hmm. in, the, in the crisis. Um, this is probably now 2010. And um, was this area somewhat like decimated? Would you say like around that time? Like was Hicksville like a... So now like, so now Hicksville is the hottest thing since sliced bread. You know, it's like... I'm building million dollar homes in Hicksville right now, which five years ago would have been unthinkable. And the same house, my first project that I sold for 535 back in 2012, that same house as it stands today is worth at least 700,000 bucks. Wow. So, you know, Hicksville's come up yeah. quite a bit. Um, this is right behind the Broadway Mall, um, okay. the state streets, Nevada yeah, 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 and yeah, California yeah. and so on. The first house I built was on California Street. Um, so we were supposed to get a mortgage you know, have somebody co-sign, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Um, that didn't fall through. That fell through. And I remember sitting in my $1,000 month apartment um, with my future wife. And I said to her, I said, we can either raise $150,000, $200,000 in the next 30 days, or we have to let this deal go. And during this time, short sales used to take like a year and a half, mm -hmm. you know? So this There's whole time. Like legal things and bank Yeah, so trip, I was right? in contract with on the short sale for over a year, not in school anymore, not really working, waking up when I feel like. Were you still you doing know? side shit? Yeah, but, but, but it gets old at some point, right? Like you, you're, you're, you're not making enough money yeah, to you. live. The, I'm living frugal, right? So I got this thousand dollar a month apartment and you know, I'm, 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 you know, working in, in, in restaurants doing whatever I can to kind of get by. But you know, the clock is ticking, you know? And, um, I, I said we we sat down and it, we got the phone call earlier that day and the phone call basically said look um, this person that was going to help you kind of get you know co-sign this mortgage they're not qualified so you know you have thirty days to close all right so I am normally short sales foreclosures it's always cash anyway right, right. it's very the only way you get a mortgage on that kind of deal is either private money. Or if there's no mortgage contingency clause in the contract mm -hmm. and you just kind of show up with a check from a bank. They don't care. Money's green as long as they get paid. So the conversation started with me being miserable. Like I, I, I had put all my eggs in this basket. I had said to myself, if this doesn't go through, I'm in, I'm in big trouble. So I went to every person I knew. Um, and these people, I have so much love for them still to this day because some of these kids – Gave me ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars, and what was the upside for them? Nothing, nothing. So like, hey, Mike, I need the, ten grand. There was those kids, and I can I can name them right now because I have that much love for them. Gave me money with no interest, believing in me because they'd seen me kind of be this kid that's always hustling, always right, right. kind of making things happen, and 
Um, believe me, I return the favor wherever possible. I'm like the grandpa, credit cards, help them build their credit, lease their cars. You know, I, I tried to give, you know, that's like my passion too, like finance and stuff. So um, I give, um, I get this money in 30 days at 22 years old, 23 years old. I raised $150,000 in 30 days, wow. which is an insane amount of money. Wow. Um, the purchase price was uh, $220,000, which for Hicks Village, I'd take 20 of them right wow. now if I could get them. Um, and um we put it together uh my pops lent me a little bit of money um and he helped me to kind of get rolling and we learned together how long did it take you to pay everybody back as soon as i finished the project okay um which took about seven or eight months um i was able to get the money back so you bought it for 220 and then what happens i needed a variance because i wanted to build something that was too big for the lot which i had never done before my pops had never done so you were tearing it down we um i have pictures of it i'm gonna i'm gonna share them with you later we tore it down to the extent that there was two walls left. Okay. All right. I'm sure you've seen those reconstructions yeah, yeah. where like uh, you bump it out in the back, you bump it on the yeah. side, you build up on the top. For all intents and purposes, it's a new house. But the reason why people do that is because, A, you don't have to go through all the rigors of new construction, disconnecting sewer, disconnecting mm -hmm. water. The permit process is a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. And the taxes end up sometimes being a little bit lower. Okay. So that's the draw with why you see these like one wall reconstructions. And Nassau County's kind of closed that up a little bit. Mm -hmm. I see people getting banged out pretty good on the uh, assessments. So you save a couple thousand a year, but it's not like, oh, it's going to be half of, mm -hmm. of what a new construction is. Um, and we, we, you know, we put it together. We got through the, the first project. And um, how much did you sell it for? I sold it for five thirty five. And um, so you made a lot of money. We did good. I mean, I, I spent uh, probably one hundred seventy five, hundred eighty thousand on the project. To this day, that's one of the highest ROI projects on, I've ever got. On margin, like, how did you have the money to spend on the project? Like, did you borrow that? I borrowed money from like twenty five people. So even that one hundred seventy five thousand dollars you borrowed, I borrowed money. Yeah, leveraged credit cards, borrowed a little money from family members, okay. um, borrowed a little money from friends, um, put it together. Um, I ended up owing some contractors money at the end of the job. Okay, um, but we got everybody paid. And to this day, that's, I think, why my, most of my subcontractors tolerate me. I'm famous for paying on time. Yeah. You know, that's the you know, GCs and builders are notorious for sticking it to uh, the subs. Yeah, uh, yeah, and yeah. I always pay. You yeah. leave, you got to check on the way out. Mm -hmm. And and so you got, manage all that, like you deal with all the subcontractors and I stuff. Still, yeah, I manage okay. all that. So you're the general contractor, basically. I, I yeah, I I, I stay away well, from the project that term. manager. I yeah, guess. yeah, because there's some very specific uh, uh, criteria okay. to be a general contractor. Um, and I don't like the word developer, even though everyone likes to call themselves a developer. Um, I call myself a builder. I think a developer is a title I want to give myself when I'm when I'm really moving and shaking, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but uh, I got through that first project and. There were some differences, you know. Um, my pops and I sort of learned together, right? Because this was not his primary right. focus in life um, up until his. I mean, you know, it wasn't yours either, I right? Guess. Right. Well, I mean, now it is. I was a kid, but, right? right? So um, we got through that first project, and I knew that I kind of had to go on my own, you know. Um, like so, you mean not with your dad? Yeah, kind of okay. go on my own and and sort why? Of, so again, I'm gonna get killed, but. Um, it was tough working with different difference right. of opinion old school new school right. let's stick this old thing in here and right, get right, i wanted right. to do the because your shit is nice like i look looking through see, all your videos and stuff I, and I don't go crazy but i'm very i'm very adamant about fit and finish and quality you can always spend a million dollars on a kitchen you can always spend a million dollars on on finishes but um i walk into some of these houses and I'm just mortified by like the lack of care for like little details. Right, like right. it's not like it's going to cost you 
a hundred thousand dollars more to give a damn you know it might cost you like 10k more it doesn't cost anything to keep a clean job site right Right. so these are the things that like that 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 are very important to me so i appreciate i very much appreciate that experience that i had working with my pops but i knew that i kind of had to go on my own if i wanted to take the risks that i wanted to take and execute your vision right right so so uh, it's funny i bought an ipad and back then an ipad was 800 bucks um and i got uh after hurricane irene one of my buddies from the gym his house got flooded that same house got flooded a year later from sandy he had two feet in irene wow. and six feet from sandy wow. um, where in freeport okay yeah so he bought a, his first house in freeport he was an attorney um and he walked up to me at the gym one day and said hey i heard you do construction can you come fix my house and i said sure i'll come give you an estimate whatever and back then i was giving my my work away just to stay busy a mm-hmm. and b to sort of build a little bit of a rapport uh, in the area so I, I go over there i do the job and i had just bought an so ipad is that the type of stuff you were doing at that point anything man anything. so anything. i was like hey i gotta redo my you kitchen want, i pointed somebody's brick chimney for like 300 bucks i had a mason come and do it you're not even supposed to do stuff yeah. like this you need licenses and insurances and stuff to do like stuff like this and it was my friend's dad and i had his in the house was all original this house in east meadow and i and i brought a contractor over there to, to point you know like uh, when they fill in the mortar and yeah. sort of like uh make it look nice right, and right. new power wash it and acid wash it mm-hmm. point it and I made like 150 dollars from this side job, and had a bunch of insults on the way out from this kid's dad, who was like, "Oh, I'm not happy," and this and that. So you know, I did everything, man. I mean, I did kitchens, I did bathrooms, I did wow. um, basements, anything to get experience, right? And anything to um, keep the operation right, right. growing. Um, and so I did. Um, so this guy at the gym, I, I bought this iPad and I decided, you know what? Let's um let me let me try to pitch this guy. That was my first investor. You know, I, I said to him, Look, this is what I'm doing, this is the first house I built. And we went on to build two or three houses with this investor and um he moved to Texas. So I had to kind of find a new investor. And so he was funding the projects. He was funding the projects. So you um, built two or three houses with this guy. I built two or three houses with this guy. And then how does that work? What's his cut? So I did a flip in Levittown um, where uh, I did, I put up the renovation money, he put the down payment, and he paid the carrying costs. So, um, so he was paying the taxes. And, and I signed yeah. a terrible deal. Um, I signed a terrible deal. Unsecured, unguaranteed. Uh, he owns the house. I'm not on the deed. I'm not on the title. Okay. okay? And I'm putting in money, putting in money to renovate the house. You could have gotten after potential. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's a lawyer. You know, like a lawyer could really stick it to you if they wanted to. Um, But this guy was a real gentleman. Uh, He's like probably six, seven years older than I am. Um, We got got rid of it, right? We actually got that first job shut down. I did it without a permit. Wow. Um, And I don't recommend (laughs) recommend this to anybody. But it it was a quick flip. And you'll see this all the time. So what's the margins on something like that? Tight, man. We made, I probably made $25,000 my cut, 25000 his cut. Okay. We split the profit. Because what ended up happening was we bought the house in the low twos with the down payment and his carrying costs. I'd say he was out of pocket like eighty grand. The renovation, I was out of pocket like eighty, ninety grand. So we just split the profit right down the middle. Okay. And I probably made like $25,000, okay. $30,000. So that was a smaller scale renovation Small scale. and stuff. It was a full gut. It was a full gut. Yeah, that's where the town came and shut it down. Yeah, it was a little house, little original, little original uh, Levitt. No basement, you know. Um, 
and you're doing everything by we, I did I have pictures of of my mask black from that I still have it in my camera roll uh, we did me and my buddies did the demo by hand wow and I guess one of the neighbors wasn't thrilled with the fact that there was no permit shut the job down um, and I had to go to my investor and tell him hey listen like the town just came and shut this job down and at, I was what 25 I had to go to town of Hempstead navigate through that I was already blacklisted wow. because you know you got caught yeah, up yeah. now so um, submitted a hardship letter um, and within six weeks got the job rolling again and my saving grace so your guy was carrying the cost for those six weeks yeah, too. Okay. yeah but six weeks could have turned into six months right, right, like this course, yeah, you know right. Um, but I, I, I worked through it. I have the gift of gab, man. Thank God. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was able, I was able to, I was sweet able to some, sweet talk and yeah. just kind of say, look, I'm trying to get, get going. This was a mistake. You'll never, ever see me. That line works for whatever reason. Yeah. I get pulled over officer. I apologize. I have yeah. this card. You will never see me again. I promise. And you know, they're like, they want to see you again just so they could stick it to yeah. you. So, so I, I got out of that mess. And my saving grace was. So that was your second project. That was your my second, big second project. project. Okay. And uh, my saving grace was that I sold the house in one week. Wow. Um, and you're the broker. I was a broker. I sold the house in one week, put the house on the market, and this was the first time that I'd gotten grilled by um, a buyer. Okay. Because the first one was an easy was an easy deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't have to deal with the the BS. Um, I got the buyer, his wife, and the buyer's parents. And, you know, I'm 25 and I'm 32 now, right? right? So imagine what I looked like when I was 25, right? right? A little kid. And I have this mom and dad and husband and wife ripping me apart. Oh, what did you do here? What did you do there? The home inspector's there. And this is where I learned my poise. This is where I learned how to keep it together. Right. I remember the, 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 the father saying, oh, you did all this goddamn work and, and you couldn't change the gutters. I'm like, sir, the gutters were done two years before I bought the house. We did the siding, we did the roof, yeah. we did everything we were supposed to do. Why would I spend another $1,200 on gutters? Get some CLR, wipe yeah. it down, and you're good to go. And it was, I have pictures of every job I've ever done. Yeah. Um, it was a beautiful gut reno. And the best, the best deal you make is the one where no one calls you back afterwards to tell you right, that you did right. something wrong. I never heard from them again. So, and even that first flip, and this is like a major part of my philosophy, we chopped the slab. The Levitt houses have no basements. Mm-hmm. Chopped the slab. All new plumbing underground. All new insulation. All new electric. That's why. And if you watch my vlog, that's you'll one of the see, things. One of your videos, you yeah, actually mentioned. it's a big thing. I'm not yeah. a flipper. Right. Uh, you know, I, yeah, I it's don't. Like very high quality. Like what's inside the walls is high quality. To me, you know? that's the most important thing. Right. How hard is it to go on on a weekend and, and order a new vanity or 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 upgrade right. your toilet? You know, or or change out a kitchen faucet piece of cake right but how are you going to upgrade your insulation or how yeah. are you going to upgrade your um your sheathing or your or your uh you know your your plumbing your hvac right. the walls are closed yeah, yeah, i no, almost no. have a phobia of cutting sheetrock you would think as a builder oh you cut sheetrock every day i when i finish a house i want i take such pride in the videos and the punch lists and just kind of like mapping everything out before i close the walls right. that i despise even moving an outlet after yeah. after the walls are closed um so yeah i mean uh, you know one thing led to another and i landed my first big investor um in 2014 and this was a defining project for me um this was the project that almost sunk the entire ship okay i remember one day my father actually came to one of the job sites and i'll tell you more about this project but he came to the job site and he's like 
Shazad, I'll never forget this. He goes, Shazad, I do not have the stomach for what you're doing right now. You know, that was like the closest thing to a to a compliment. <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and I remember saying to my dad, I was like, "Yeah, we'll be all right." I didn't even know we were gonna be all right. And so, basically, the long and short of it, this project was a new construction in Hicksville um, that involved building a road and running sewer, gas, water, and knocking down another house across the street and building two new homes. Okay. The second house wasn't even in the mix, and I'll try to keep it short because I could talk all day. But this house, this lot, was on Zillow. wasn't even on public. It wasn't even on MLS. And me and my buddy used to sit around and do the things that kids do for hobbies and say, "Yo, man, it'd be so cool if we just bought this lot." And 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 literally, we had this conversation like a dozen times. And one day, I'm like, "You know what, man? I have exactly enough money. I'm gonna go buy this lot." And it was right behind the Department of Labor, um, on Old Country Road. There's okay. a Department of Labor um, right by that Subaru dealership. No, no, that's not what Subaru dealership. There's a John Deere dealership okay. on Old Country Road. Um, there's a Department of Labor on the other side. Is that the Westbury or something? No, it's um, it's it's Hicksville proper. Um, if you're heading west on Old Country Road, it's after Broadway on the left-hand side. Okay. okay. Oh yeah, I know exactly where that is. All right. right. So yeah, there's yeah. a Department mm-hmm. of Labor building. Um, there's a street behind there called Cortland Avenue, and I bought this lot. And man, I didn't even know what the heck I'd gotten myself into. Um, to make a long story short, I did not have water service to that house. Um, I did not have enough money to build the house. And me being, you know, this person that was always looking for kind of make some money, get a quick mm. get hustle going. I, I, had, I had gone to Florida before I got married with one of my close friends. And I watched him make 12% in one day trading Forex. So I gave him the last $100,000 I had after buying that lot. And I said, listen, guy, you've been on a tear for a year and a half now. I need you to take this money. I need you to do something magical with it. You know, and you work out a retainer like 25% or whatever. They keep, um, I lost all 100000 No way. I lost he lost 100 grand. grand? He lost fifty. I fired him after he lost fifty, And I took over. And I didn't know anything about Forex. And I got back some of it. But I wouldn't close out my losing trades. What is that? What's uh, foreign foreign exchange? A foreign exchange. Yeah. Okay. So so um, I had traded equities since I was okay. a kid, but forex was the so fast like money. currency. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's the fast money. If you catch a good yeah. if you catch a good trade with high risk, you can make some serious money. But th- that's exactly what it is: high risk. Right. And you learned the hard way. I, I fired him after he lost forty eight thousand. I had fifty two left. I'd gotten back to sixty seven. Wouldn't close out my losers. And to make a long story short, I lost the rest of it. Wow. I had three thousand left. I took it out. Took my wife and I on a little vacation, and did, was she, did she know like you're? She knew everything. Yeah. I was miserable. Yeah. I was miserable. This was the same year that I got married. This was the same year that um, uh, some other things had happened, and I just. So you you own you were sitting on this lot. Bought this lot. You bought the lot. Two hundred ten thousand. You were out of all your money basically. I had three hundred thousand to my name. I spent two hundred thousand on the lot. I had a hundred k left over, and, and you I got said, to three. And, and and I was down to three. Um, I'm s- still every year you're allowed to write off three thousand yeah. towards uh, of of, an, of a of a carry forward. I'm still working down that three thousand. Wow. Unless you have a short term capital gain, you get three thousand a year in an right. allowance um, for uh, a carry forward. And I lost all hundred thousand, and because there was no water main, I had to pay a union contractor to come in extend the water main a hundred feet. Bring gas, which costs like bring a sewer, fortune. Forty thousand dollars for wow. a day of work, one day of work, wow. forty grand. And I, you know, I've documented everything. I have pictures of every house I've ever built. So, 
um, this is how I landed my first big investor. He had come to a couple of my open houses and he had s- expressed some interest, but I was just like, you know, like this is just like anybody else kind of trying to learn the business, whatever, whatever. Express some interest in what? Purchasing these homes or? Getting involved. Getting involved. Getting okay. involved. Oh, you had an open house to get investors. I had other, no, I had other projects like little flips that I had done. Um, I should say, I should, I, I digress. I should say that this was my second, second investor, uh, the second big investor. The first guy moved to Texas. The right. second guy was this gentleman that I had met through a mutual friend. It was very tough. We did a couple jobs together. Very, very, very old school. Very much a nickel and dimer. It wasn't my style. We kind of went our separate ways. So. You when both made money, though? We made money. Uh-huh. Yeah, we made money. Some some jobs, very little. Some jobs, a bunch. But thank God, to this day, never lost money. Um, I got my main investor, though, that I still have to this day from this crazy project on Cortland Avenue. I called this guy up, and I said, look, I have my life savings on Cortland Avenue. I bought the lot. I already paved the road. I built this house. It's in contract. Now you got to put your money where your mouth is. And come in across the street. And how I got the house across the street is a funny story. I knocked on the guy's door and I said, listen, uh, I'm building this house across the street. He's like, yeah, I see that. And I said, to, and he said, what, what can I do for you? He's, I was like, I really need to buy your house. And it was a little bungalow. Why did you, why though? Because I was nervous that I'd have this little bungalow on a gravel driveway built across the street from an $700,000 So it devalued brand, your house. Yeah, I was very uh-huh. nervous about that. And so, and I'm wrong. Actually, I, I was not in contract yet. Um, so that's why I was a little nervous about it. Um, and he said, oh, that's actually interesting because my father-in-law owns the house. He owns the house on the other block. It was a through lot. And he had gotten this little bungalow built many years ago before there were so many rules and regulations. He goes, why don't you go talk to him? I went over to him, retired police officer, said to him, look, you know, I want to buy your house behind. He's like, my daughter's moving to Plain Edge. This is perfect. Um, made a deal. Shook his hand, bought the property, called up the investor. So you pay him in cash, like it's fully two two hundred fifty thousand cash deal. Okay, and um, I signed the contract without even having secured the investor yet. Um, and then I called up my investor and I said, "Look, um, you've been telling me for a year now you want to get involved. This is it. This is your opportunity." And um, both houses sold during construction, and didn't really hear much back from either one of them so they went they went all right but my structure with my investors obviously they put up the capital right so i don't get to keep all that money right i get paid as a realtor and i get paid a percentage of the proceeds um and um, what's in it for your investor so i don't do interest this is something that blows people's minds i don't deal in interest at all i have religious obligations that that keep me from um the simplicity of a hard money sort of arrangement right Typically, uh, guys in my space will get um, hard money. You pay a couple points up front, you know, 12%, 10%, 14%, depending on what your arrangement is. And you got to pay a note every month, um, at least the interest. That's like that installment loan. Yeah, yeah. typical, right. you know, hard money arrangement. Um, I've never to this day taken hard money. Um, I, I have certain, obli- you know, reservations. So um, my partners are all equity partners. So okay. how it works is basically, let's say you and me did a project, yeah. right? Um, and now I put my own money in as well because I've built up some capital. But 
uh, let's say you and I get into a project. Uh, we buy a house for 300. We plan on building a new construction for 400, and we want to sell it for 850. Let's say, right? Do you stay within the budget, generally? So say like that. Say yeah, we did go to. Right. I'm on point. Okay. I'm so a it's, maniac. It's Every not going to be like, hey, okay, no. we need another another capital call no, or anything like that. Okay. No, I I I'm such a maniac that every night before I go to sleep, and if not that night, the next day, I put every receipt in the computer. Yeah, I saw in your video. Yeah, every yeah, project that I'm yeah. at. Right now, like today to the day, I know what my cost is. Right. Um, and when you're that meticulous about your record keeping, it's not going to get away from you. Yeah. And if there's an issue, very early on, I'll be able to say, hey, you know, Doc, we, we have a problem. Mm -hmm. You know, lumber went up 40% this year because mm -hmm. of the tariffs. We're like five, six, seven thousand over. It's never like a hundred thousand right, dollar surprise. Right. It's like a five, six, seven thousand dollar surprise. Right. Like, oh man, I wasn't planning on replacing the sewer line, but, you know, right. it's all rotted out. You know, and this is what I think separates me from some of my competition. Right. For example, I'm building a house right now in Hicksville. And um, like I mentioned in my first flip, yeah. I do all new plumbing. Before I connect to the main sewer line, I'll drop a camera in there and see, you know, there's a special camera that these sewer, mm -hmm. you know, I'm sure you've heard like Roto-Rooter and guys mm -hmm. like that. They'll put a camera in your line to see what's going on, roots or, or rotted sewer line. And I, I'll see that... Um, this sewer line was all rotted out on the bottom. Now, most people would never even take the step to put the camera in there. Right, right. So what are they going to do? They're going to dormer a house. Yeah. Now, I get these calls. I get these texts. I get these uh, DMs and these 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 uh, messages like, hey, uh, I want to put a dormer on this house. You know, like, uh, what's it going to cost? I can't answer that question because I don't know what the heck is going on right. with your 60-year-old house. You can't assume that everything in your house right now is okay. Because right. that's when you start having those right. nightmare scenarios right. with your contractors right, that right. like um, – uh, you get fifty thousand, hundred thousand dollar cost over right. But you know, I dropped the camera in the sewer line, and I saw that the whole bottom of the sewer line was rotted out. These old cast iron or transite yeah. pipes they rot out. So that was like a five thousand dollar phone call to my investor. Um, but I've got two main investors, and then I've got some smaller guys like you know friends and family, mm -hmm. people that I grew up with, college buddies, doctors and lawyers mm -hmm. and such. You know that that are not interested in doing the dirty the, work. Not only are they not interested in doing the dirty work, but they don't necessarily want a million dollar project. Right. You know, like for example, my two my two good friends and my attorneys, I have their kids' college funds. You know, hundred k from each. We flip it each time. They make ten, twelve percent, fifteen percent, and to them, it's a no risk exercise because right. they've known me for ten years. Right. For someone off the street that doesn't know me, oh, this could happen, that could happen, the yeah, house could right, burn right. down, you could have hundred thousand dollars in cost overrun. So it's it's not for everyone, but. Um, how it works is basically we get a um, a split that's determined beforehand, gotcha. right? So like most of my guys is like sixty five thirty five or sixty forty, where let's say we lay out um, seven hundred thousand dollars on a job, our profit is twenty percent. Whatever that profit is after all our expenses, you're entitled to sixty five percent. I'm entitled to thirty five percent, and that's after your selling expense, your closing costs, your carrying costs, right. insurance, and so on and so forth. Dude, I mean. We could go on forever. Yeah, um, yeah. Just, just kind of, I guess, sort of sum things up. How many projects have you done? Like, how many homes have you built at, at this point? I built about twenty homes at this point. Jeez. Um, I'm doing, and it, it goes. Up and are these simultaneously happening? Like, do you have multiple projects going on at the same time? Yeah. So right now, I have six. So, so th that number twenty is gonna start to really go up. I'd say I'm, I'm in my low twenties right now. I really got to sit down and make that list again. But right now, I'm running six jobs. Uh, one that's 100% done that's ready to close that's the North Belmore build um, two that are 99% done that are in the punch list phase um, uh, which I'm just wrapping up this week and those are the ones that I really need to sell because <laughs> I'm getting tight mm -hmm. now um, money wise 
Uh, and then I've got three right now that are going to bring me into 2020. Um, gotcha. One in Hicksville, um, one in Salisbury, which is that portion of Westbury that falls into East Meadow Schools, yeah. and uh, one in Plainview. So I tried it now, now that the business has grown a little bit, um, I try to get um, two to three at a time. So you get some synergy, get some good prices from the subcontractors. Right. When your framer knows he's got three jobs coming up, you can knock off like five, ten percent off each right. job, and he'll know that one of his three framing crews is going to be with Shazad for the next two months. Right. You know, um, but you know, now I'm reaching another problem. Okay, my 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 my. We were talking about this before we started um, recording this podcast, and that is, uh, you know, the same problem that any entrepreneur has. How could you possibly do everything yourself? Yeah. And still have quality of life. And still have um, the ability to make time for brand development and for scale. Totally, man. You know, yeah. so you know. Yeah, that's that's the that's, next, that's the next stage. But that's that, a good problem to have because that means you're doing things it's right. It's a good problem. Know? It's a stressful problem. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm seven days a week, eighty plus hours a week. Dude, I hear you. <laughs> uh, and um, you know, you sacrifice vacation time, yeah, you man. sacrifice family time, but the end goal is that you get it all back at some point. You know, yeah, you'll find just knowing you a little bit better now is you'll this is what happened to me. You kind of hit that point and then you realize that that's not you. And then you dive back into working like crazy again, you know, because it. Yeah, I could. I you know, I mean, see that it's, it's hard to visualize that, but I can tell you that's been my own personal experience. Yeah. You, you know? shared that with me when we yeah. first met. I found that very interesting. Yeah, because you're a hustler, man. Where, where could people it, find you on social, man? Because they, they, they uh, need to check your stuff out. So Pinnacle Real Estate is my handle on Instagram, and it's YouTube.com slash Pinnacle Real Estate. Um, I really need all of your help yeah. to get this YouTube thing going. I implore you guys to check it out. These videos are amazing, man. I, I really, it. really, really, really well done. Um, and it really gives you a good insight into what it takes to build a house. And it's cool because like, the people that are buying these houses, they can actually see a to z soup to nuts how their house was built i think that's the coolest thing about it you know and, and so that's so that's something that i found now is a very useful part of this vlog it allows me to um i can say to someone look nobody else in Plainview built your house with built a house with zip system and your house has zip system and how yeah. do you know that because from the day that i dug the hole until delivery every step of this process is documented and nobody else is doing this that's and, amazing and, man. And, and the reason nobody else is doing it is because um you have nowhere to hide, right. you know, anything that you do when it's so well documented will come back and bite you if you're not doing it the right way. So, um, pinnacle, pinnacle real estate, youtube.com slash pinnacle real estate. The vlog is, uh, is a, is a tremendous effort. It's something that I work on. You know, it's a weekly episode, and five tell, to seven man. minutes. And, um, I need some traction, so yeah. hopefully so this please will start follow, to pick up. like, share, and subscribe. Please, we yeah, need man. it. Yeah, dude, this was awesome. I really Thank appreciate you. you coming appreciate down. It. And uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, you know, man, this was. Uh, I'm really glad I got to know you better, man. This was a yeah, really, absolutely. really beautiful story, man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Right. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Dr. Mudgill podcast. The audio for this podcast can be found on Apple's iTunes and SoundCloud. Let's get it.